Okay, let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> Actually, look back to uh, uh, chapter 16, verse 27. It says, For the Son of Man, Jesus is speaking here, is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what He has done. We talked last time about the return of Jesus, but also about the final reckoning that, that, that will take place at that time. We are very excited about the return of Jesus. He's coming back, and it's our blessed hope, but are we ready for it? Because it also means that we'll stand before Him. Very exciting. And so, But those two questions that, that come into play when we stand before Him, number one is, have we believed in Him? And number two is, what have we done with our lives? Have we believed in Him? And what have we done with our lives? We'll be rewarded at that day for how we live, what we did with what He gave us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things while done while in the body, whether good or bad. And John the Apostle says, Dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. Continue in Him so we will be confident and unashamed because of how we're living this life now. I flipped on the TV set this morning and, uh, you know, there were some great theologians that were on, Katie Couric and Clint Eastwood. And uh, I guess Clint Eastwood has a new film out called something, something to the effect of afterlife, I think it's called, something like that. What is it? Hereafter. And so, you know, the, the deal is, you know, Katie Couric's going to interview him about his new movie. It's basically hype for the movie. But, but you know, the, it, the, the question that she's asking him, well, what do, you, what do you know about the afterlife? What do you know about it? He says, he says I haven't got the foggiest idea. But he's making this movie, right, about, you know, about the afterlife and about what's going to come, what happens after we die. She asked him that question. And, and he's making this movie about it. In the movie, you know, they show us a little bit about it. And it's got a psychic in there. And that's where we're going to find our answer. So Katie Couric, Clint Eastwood, and a psychic are going to tell us where to be prepared for the life hereafter. Right? And so they said... Watch at 9 a.m. and we'll give you the whole interview and the whole picture. The answer, the whole answer is going to be there right at 9 a.m. You know, gosh, I couldn't stay and watch it. You know, how about, how about, you know, bring someone else in to have some other kind of a, 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 an, an answer than what the world has to offer. How about go to church and find out what the truth has to say, what God's Word has to say. But this is kind of where we're at, isn't it? Our theologians are, are um, rock stars and our, our celebrities and our movie stars and our sports heroes. These are our theologians. This is where we get our answers from li about life, right? Well, some of them, I have to say, are on, on track. But so many of them are, you know, 
the majority, let's say, you know, Jesus said the path is wide of those leading to destruction. The majority of them are, are just heading straight to d- destruction and, and, and taking as many people with them as they can. Jesus Christ came and he said, you know, that, and Barbara quoted it, that he would give us life and give it abundantly. The answers are found in the Word of God. The answers are found, uh, given to us by Jesus Christ. Today I want to look at chapter 17, the first part of chapter 17, and, and it's, it's what's called a transfiguration because this transfiguring takes place. But really what it is, it's a preview of glory. It's like a foretaste of heaven is what these three men experienced there with Jesus. Look at uh, verse 28. He says, I tell you the truth in chapter 16, verse 28. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. And people have said, well, that's, you know, what's that all about? Because obviously these guys, they died before Jesus returned, but it really flows right into chapter 17. Some of you know this, that, you know, when they wrote the Bible, they didn't put the uh, verse numbers and chapter divisions in there, and paragraphs either, you know, when they wrote these things down. It went right into chapter 17, verse 1. Look what it says. It says that after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. <coughs> Peter, James, and John, they went up on this high mountain. It says they, they saw him, we'll see, in his glory. This is like a trip into the mountains. I think it's kind of exciting, really. A trip into the mountains with Jesus. Peter, James, and John, we're going to go for a little trip. How many of you have ever been to the mountains? Just checking, you know, there's, there's not really many mountains around here. So that means you'd have to leave. 812 feet, Mount Jeremoth is the highest point in Rhode Island, right? 812 feet. I used to drive over it, and I'd have to clear my ears, you know, when I would drive over that mountain to, to go to work in Connecticut. <clears throat> My uh, wife's parents live up in Lake Arrowhead, and it's uh, 5,200 feet above sea level, and you do have to clear your ears. I remember one time I had a cold. I'll tell you this story. This is free. Um, I was going down, down the mountain to, to meet a pastor who was, uh, we, we wanted to meet, and we were gonna, he was from England. And uh, I went down, and I, I had a cold, and I couldn't clear my ears. And I got down there to meet this pastor in person for the first time. We'd written back and forth and talked on the phone. I, my ears were so blocked up, I couldn't even hear him. I was just, you know. But that's got nothing to do with this. But what we're talking about here is a mountaintop experience. A mountaintop experience. And, you know, you've heard those words before. Have you ever had one of those? A mountaintop experience where you're like just, you're just up there with God. You're having this experience with Jesus, and, and I don't know about you, but you want it to last forever, but it's only a preview. It's only a preview. It's only a foretaste of the glory, a foretaste of heaven. You can't make it last. I know when I first came to know Jesus, when you, and, and I, I think this is true of a lot of us, when you first come to know Jesus, man, you are just up on the clouds. For, like, for me, it was like months. I just going like, Wow. I think it's because, you know, you're, 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 you, the change is so pronounced. And you're going like, wow. You feel like you're walking on the clouds. There's all this grace. There's this glory. But, but you know what? It, it, 
It's not that it goes away. It's just that our, our understanding and, our, and, and just through time, you know, we're still, we've got to walk by faith in this world, right? We've got to carry on and do what we've got to do. We can't always live in ecstatic experiences. There's a danger of looking only for ecstatic experiences, but there's also a danger of saying that they never happen. Because there are those times when we meet with God in a special way. And each one of us is different. It isn't all the same. I think one of the dangers we say, it's all got to be just like this. But you see, I believe that God knows each one of us intimately in such a way that he will reach us the way that we understand. He doesn't reach me the same way he reaches you. But he will reach us. And there are those times where we have that, we have that uh, time where we, we, we have these mountaintop experiences these three went up with him, it says, up a high mountain by themselves. And, and uh, uh, I was talking with Bill here about this, what mountain it is. And, and uh, you know, it doesn't really say. You know, Mount Tabor, uh, there's a mountain that is a traditional view, but it was only 1,900 feet, and that's like not that high. And at the time, there was like a fortress built up there. So that's not all that special. Mount Hermon, another possibility, is like 9,200 feet and it's it's close to where they were and some people feel that could be it but but there's also another mountain called Mount Miron at about 4,000 feet that was between where they were and where they're going so we don't really know for sure but I think one of the reasons we don't really know for sure is why because people would probably build a shrine there and start you know make it another shrine when you go to Israel you find these shrines all over the place you know well, this is where this used to be, and we built this church up on top of it, and it's got nothing to do with what actually was there or actually what happened there, but, you know, they've got this big church. Some of them are actually spooky. Uh, when you go to some of these places, you go like, i got to get out of here. But that's not what this was like up there. Jesus led them. It says he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And, you know, we, we need to be willing to be led by Jesus. He led them up there, and you know, if they didn't follow him, they wouldn't have been there, they wouldn't have seen this, they wouldn't have had this time alone with Jesus. And I think sometimes he's wanting to lead us to, to a place by ourselves with him. It says, by themselves. And we're, we're just too busy. We're just too caught up in everything else. We're just, we're, you know, we've got too many things to do. We've got too many, you know, places to go and people to see. And things to do. Jesus, you know... Uh, you know, how about maybe next week, let's, let me check my appointment book and see if we can maybe fit that in at some time or another. The truth of, us is, truth of it is, we're not really that busy. I hear this a lot, you know, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. Truth is, we're not really that busy because we have the television set on for like six hours a day or more. Eight hours a day sometimes. I don't know what the average is, pretty high in the U.S. Hours and hours. I'm just so busy, i got to get that next episode in. i got to watch the next NASCAR race. Oops. I'm busted. But Jesus led them, and it says he led them off by themselves. And Luke adds, and Luke's a parallel account, he says he, he, he led them off by themselves to pray. There's this element of prayer as well. Let's get, a, get aside, let's get apart, and we, we need these times where we need to get away, and, and you perhaps heard that expression, if we don't get apart, we're going to fall apart. To get apart with Jesus. Small group of people, and, and, and just you and Him alone, or maybe a few people. 
I, I, I recommend it. I, have you ever tried it is the question. Verse 2, it says he was transfigured there before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light, as the light. Jesus, you know, kind of... It, 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 Moses, when you look in the Old Testament, Moses had kind of a similar experience with God where he came down from the mountain, you remember that, and they couldn't look at him because his face was so bright? Well, see, Moses, it was kind of a reflected thing. He was reflecting what he had seen. But with Jesus, it was what was inside was just coming out, you see. The true glory. Jesus said in in, uh, John chapter 17, he says, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This glory that that is his. And they had a glimpse of this true glory coming out. It's something we're going to see later on in the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, it it says there is head was and hair were white like wool, white as snow, eyes were like blazing fire, his face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. So Peter, James, and John, now they're up on this high mountain, and they, they kind of get this preview. They see this glory, they see this purity, they see this holiness, they see the deity of Jesus Christ, and they, they get to have this experience with him. I think you and I, you know, from time to time, we, we get these little glimpses. We get these little foretastes of heaven in our life. There, there, was some, there may be some that, that tell you they're, they're, they're having it every day, all day long, and it, you know, but I don't buy it. I don't buy it because it says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, He says, then we shall see face to face. He says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We're we're limited in this this day, in this body, in this this time to only maybe a little bit here. You know, uh, Moses said, show me your glory to the Lord, right? And what did God say? God says, I can't show you all at once. I'll show you the back part, but if I show you all at once, I can't do that too much it's too much for us if we saw jesus in his complete and total glory i think even here they didn't see totally we we would because of who we are and the sin in ourselves we would be burned up i think that's why we can't go to heaven without being washed and cleansed from our sins because he is so holy he is so pure to have this experience with jesus it's a good thing i think we sing that song hungry for more of him do you want more of him do you want to have more of an experience? Do you want to know him better? Do you want to have a closer walk with him? Just a closer walk with thee, the song says. Look at verse 3. It says, Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Just then <clears throat> these other two guys show up. And I'm thinking about this, this foretaste of heaven, this foretaste of glory, this foretaste of this preview of what's to come, and, and noticing a couple of things about this. One, Moses and Elijah are there. But not only that, they knew that it was Moses and Elijah, right? They recognized them. I don't think they had name badges on. They were, it was, it was able to, you're able to recognize people. You're able to know things that, that uh, you, you don't know necessarily down here. And not only that, you see that they're communicating and they're talking with Jesus. 
you know, we don't have a lot of pictures about what the future heaven is going to be like, but I think we can, we can piece together some things and there, there we will be able to recognize one another. And we will be able to communicate. And we will be able to talk with Jesus. Why were these two guys there? I, I think at the time that these were considered the two greatest prophets, perhaps Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets, but notice that they, they both are talking with Jesus. It's both pointing to Jesus. It's not all about Moses. It's not all about Elijah. Luke tells us as well that they talked about uh, Jesus' departure. Exodus is the word, actually. And, but, but they were speaking about his death. They were talking about his death that was yet to come, the cross. Look at verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, in other words, Peter interrupts. Moses and Elijah are talking there with Jesus, and Peter is there, and he interrupts. i got to interrupt. Excuse me. He probably didn't even say excuse me. I don't think he doesn't say it here anyways. You know how you teach your kids, if you're going to interrupt someone, say excuse me, and they say they come up to you and they pull on your you know, shirt, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I don't even think he did that. He just says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter, what are you doing? What is going on here? Like they need shelter or something. You know, get a clue here. Maybe he's just being hospitable. Mark chapter 9, it says that he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. And Luke, in his account, he says he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Not just for Peter, but for you and I. We say things, we have a clue what we're saying. We don't know what we're saying. So maybe we shouldn't talk so much. Two ears, one mouth, you know how that goes. Another interesting thing about this that Luke adds, though, it says that Peter said these words. It says, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said these words. As they were getting ready to leave. So, in a sense, Peter's there. He's trying to, he's trying to prolong it. He's trying to keep it happening. He's trying to perpetuate the experience. No, no, you guys can't leave. Let's stay. Let's build houses. You're going to have to live here. We'll just stay here. We'll keep this happening. Let's make it permanent. Let's stay up on this mountaintop. But it's not always possible, is it, to stay up on the mountaintop? We've already talked about that. These experiences are, are only a foretaste, a glimpse of what is to come. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Verse 5 says, While he was still speaking, that is Peter, now God interrupts Peter. <laughs> Peter interrupts Jesus and the, the other two. Now God interrupts Peter. While Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This cloud, again, of the glory of God envelops all of them. And a voice from the cloud speaks. The Father is speaking here, right? This is the, the cloud of the glory of God. We, we see it back in the book of Exodus. We see it, they were, the cloud was leading the people. Cloud of pillar, cloud of fire. We saw it up on, on Mount Sinai with Moses up on the, 
on the mount. It covered the tabernacle. It filled the temple. But even it also says that, that the Son of Man, they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Something about a cloud and a great glory when we see him return. But the Father says, this is my Son. He doesn't say, hey, you know, Peter, Moses is here. Be quiet. Elijah's here. Be quiet. He says, this is my Son, Jesus, whom I love. And I'm well pleased. And look at the words. He's, he finishes that, that little uh, statement. He says, listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Because this is Peter preaching after the day of Pentecost. After, obviously, the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. Peter is preaching now in Acts chapter 3. You know, we can say a lot of stuff about Peter, but you know, in the end, Peter really gets it. He really gets it. Look at verse uh, 19. This isn't his whole uh, message, but we'll, we'll pick it up there. He's talking to these people. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. I like those words. Repent and turn to God. Our sins will be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And verse 20, And that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. It says, He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. And anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Peter is now quoting from Deuteronomy what Moses said. And you see, it's all kind of tying together here. The idea of, of that, that Jesus is the one we need to listen to. We need to, we need to hear him. We need to listen to him, and, and, and that's why we read the Gospels, and if you have a, a red-letter edition, you, you know, again, those have been added later, but they're probably pretty close to the words that Jesus said. Have you, have you keyed in on to the words that Jesus said for your life? Listen to him, he says back here in Matthew 17. That's what God tells them, and I think that's what God is telling you and me today, to listen to Jesus. Well, that brings up the question, does Jesus still speak today? And I believe he does. Does it have anything to do with you and me? Yes, it has everything to do with you and me. It has everything to do with life and death. Life after this life. We're not talking Clint Eastwood. We're talking about the true eternity with him. Verse 6, back in Matthew 17, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. They fell face down before God, and that's an interesting study you could do and, and, and find every time that people fell on their face before God. It's fascinating. 
times of humility, times of this awesome fear of God, times in trials, times in worship, times in prayer, on, on our faces before God. But in this particular instance, it says that Jesus came and touched them. He came and touched them. They were on their faces before God. Maybe it was the wrong kind of fear. I don't really know for sure what's, what the reason is because uh, being on our faces is not a bad thing, obviously, according to the whole of Scripture. But he tells them, he touches them, he says, get up and don't be afraid. Forget being touched by an angel. We, we need to be touched by Jesus. Remember that song that... Uh, Gosh, I think about 50 people saying that he touched me. Elvis Presley sang that song. But it was written by Bill and Gloria Gaither. It says, says these words, shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. I don't know about you, but I want to be touched by Jesus. I want to be touched by Jesus. And again, is it like this experience that's going to go on, you know, every day, all day long? No, but, but if we don't pray and, 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 and get on our faces and, and, and bow before him and, and humble ourselves before him, we, we have no chance of it. I want to be touched by Jesus. He says to them, get up and don't be afraid. God said, we just read it, didn't we, that to, to listen to Jesus. And Jesus' very next words are these, get up and don't be afraid. I don't know, maybe those words for you today in your situation, in your life. I don't know. Get up and don't be afraid. Maybe it's the kind of situation where we're, you know, we're so beat down by the things of this world and by the things of this life that, get, that, that Jesus is saying, you need to get up. And keep walking and don't give up. And don't be afraid because fear is a, is a shackle, is it not? He touches them and he says, don't be afraid. And he is, he is able to release us from fear, to set us free from fear. I don't know about you, but I, I pray about that. I pray, God, you know, deliver me from fear. You find that in the Bible an awful lot. You also find so many times where God says, do not fear because I'm with you. Do not fear because I'm, I'm ahead of you. Do not fear because I have all things. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Fear, you know, carries with it torment, the Bible says. But perfect love, what? Casts out all fear. But like he said last week, you have not because you ask not. You know, get up and don't be afraid. Go before the mighty God. I think you and I can miss out on so much because we're not really listening to what Jesus has to say. Verse 8, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. That's the ultimate, isn't it? It's not Moses, not Elijah, not any other man, not any other person, but Jesus. And any experience that leads any other way, watch out, be careful. You know, it used to be this big thing about the light, right? Remember that? This book about the light. You know, you go to the light and all that. No, you go to Jesus. You want to find the light of the world, Jesus said. Go to him. Verse 9 says, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, 
Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Why not? You know, <clears throat> you think about that. Why, why wouldn't he want them to go out and tell? Because Really because the cross was yet to be. The glory would be after the cross and the resurrection. Verse 10 through 13, we'll finish with reading these verses when Jesus explains the word, the scripture. It says, the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but, but have done to him everything they wished. And in the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. What better way to understand the scripture than with Jesus explaining it to them? Jesus explained it to us. How do we understand? We read his word. We get into the Bible. We understand what the scripture has to say. John the Baptist fulfilled this prophecy that was uh, in Malachi about Elijah. Though we're not also sure in the book of Revelation, he may be one of the two witnesses. In Revelation chapter 11, he may come back and return. We don't know about that for sure. We'll find out one day. But these three now, Peter, James, and John, they have this preview of glory, this foretaste of heaven, this experience, this mountaintop experience. And John says later, in John chapter 1, he says these words, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I think he was referring to this experience that he had. We've seen His glory. In, in the uh, uh, other, I believe it's in 1 John, he says, you know, we are eyewitnesses of his glory. I want you to turn with me and we'll close in 2 Peter chapter 1 where Peter talks about this experience that he had. Of course, Jesus said, don't talk about it till after the resurrection. Well, we know this is after the resurrection. And Peter, again, for all his, you know, idiosyncrasies and all of his quirks, he, he got it. He understood that Jesus was the answer, that Jesus was the way. And look in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 16, we see these words. <clears throat> he says, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We heard that voice. We had this experience. Was it something that it was only for them then? Do we still have experiences with God now? I want to point out to you that the, the very next paragraph that Peter goes on to talk about, he talks about the scripture. He talks about the word of God. Look in verse 19, he says, We have the word of the prophets made more certain. 
and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So he goes right into the Scripture, you see. I can honestly say for me, the, the most experiences that I've had with God have come from this book, from God's holy word. And, and I think, too, in, in this whole idea about experience, is that we need to know what the word of God says to judge any experience anyways. There's too many places that are having all these experiences, but they have no basis in the Scripture. They have, they're not backed up by Scripture. They're not approved by Scripture. There's not, nothing to do with the Bible. And so what are they? Mostly they're just flesh. They're just people. They're just us. But having said all that, I think Moses told us, as I quoted, he says, he says to the Lord, show me your glory. Paul says in Philippians, he says, I want to know him. I want to know him more. He says, I want to get closer. I want to have more of a relationship with him. I want to, you know, see him. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to see him in his glory. I, I want to hear God speak. I want to be touched by Jesus. I want to talk with Jesus. I want to have him explain his word. I want to listen to him, but, but even in that whole list, those answers are all found in his word, in the word of God. Listen to him, he says. One commentator said these words. He says, Peter's attitude is easily understood. People want to stay on the Mount of Vision to enjoy the almost ecstatic state of glorious fellowship in the place of prayer. But listen to this. He said, but at the foot of the mountain was a man in desperate need with a demonized son. And he said, and still today, the multitudes wait at the foot of the mountain for the ministry of those who have glimpsed God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, we want to see him. We want to have this this experience with him, but, but you know what? It's not just for us. And we can't always stay there. We need to go down the mountain and, and be with people that, that are in desperate need to know the Savior, to know Jesus. You and I are God's messengers. We're God's ambassadors to be in this world and to share in this dark world. Hold on to the word. Paul said in Colossians, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will, will appear with him in glory. I look forward to that day. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Your word that explains the truth. Your word that gives us the truth, that shows us Jesus. Where would we be without your word? We'd be just going on man's own thoughts, man's own ideas, man's own desires. But Lord, we need you to open up your word to our hearts, Lord. You see our hearts. 
You know our minds. We hear your word and we hear your voice speaking to us saying, get up. Get up and go on. Don't quit. Get up. and Don't be afraid. The future is bright. The future is very bright because of the glory. The glory of Jesus. Lord, lead us and guide us as we go even from this place, Lord. We want more of you. In Jesus' name we pray.